You're listening to the Roll for Crits podcast. Thanks for joining us. You're here to learn more about board games, card games, role-playing games. We're talking about all kinds of tabletop talk this week. My name is Jonathan Estes. I'm Will Keeler, and you know, it. It's been a long day for me, Jonathan. I'm not going to lie. Uh, yeah. new, new video game expansion I've been going into. So uh-huh. I, I, I'm going to try to match your energy, Jonathan. Hopefully I'll be able to do that because, <laughs> you know, you're usually the one who's brimming with life. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, it's all relative, <laughs> the, the energy levels on in life and on this show. Yeah, video games can take a lot out of you. That's why we're here to relax with some tabletop games. And of course, we got to start as we always do, by checking in with our podcast mascot. He is an Awesomear bard created in Dungeons and Dragons whose name is Roland F. Criterion. He's a he's a handsome fella. And he goes on adventures every week and we try to help him out of some scrapes and some jams. This week we're we're I'm doing kind of a little bit of a fast forward here. You're getting sort of the some of the cliff oh, notes of uh <laughs> of Roland's adventures. Yeah, so last week, uh, last adventures, Roland got involved with a band of freedom fighters, and uh, he successfully uh, took out a sheriff in order to free some some of their prisoners in this corrupt system in this new city that he came upon. He's And he's sort of, they've accepted him now in the group. He's, he's risen through the ranks, and uh, the rest of the freedom fighters are looking to him for advice on their next move. And they're trying to figure out what should their big play be? Should they should they try to negotiate peace and equality with with the oppressive, corrupt government? Should they declare an all out attack and go in with an aggressive fight or or take a third option to try to settle things in this city? I don't know. Fortunately, we have someone here to help us uh, because joining our party today she is a producer at Funko Games and the designer behind titles like Book of Villainy and Mansplaining. Welcome to the show for Tessa Elise. <laughs> Thank you. I'm glad to be here. I am glad that you are here. Excited to talk to you about a lot of different subjects regarding games. But right now, Roland mm-hmm. needs your help. Yes. We need this is a this is a big decision right now. I really like th- putting you right in it at the beginning <laughs> of the show. I feel it. <laughs> you yes. are in charge of a group of uh, of guerrilla fighters mm-hmm. in a corrupt government. What what's what's the strat here? It's always attack. There's there's no <laughs> other way. You have to just All right. keep a clean slate here. I like it. I like it. So we're 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 going in. We are we are taking them down, you know, voting them out is not working. We are rioting, we are tearing the city apart. <laughs> chaos chaos will win that's right now roland is uh is a bard and you know (laughs) combat's not a strong suit but but he but he in this scenario i feel like he's more of a leader right he's kind of uh inspiration yeah yeah right he's he's Mm -hmm. helping the troops get inspired so what do we think in terms of D? &D, what what kind of a role should this be i I am the fake dm so i normally would decide but i like to ask for input (laughs) Huh, I feel like usually this is just we do the thing, you go and do it, and because it's the you watch it go miserably wrong because all your rolls are terrible, and next thing you know, you're run, you're running away because you accidentally like slap someone, you tried to hug them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're really doing a we're, we're covering a lot of ground in one fell swoop. I, uh, yeah. I think it's a performance, yeah, in essence, or is persuasion something of that. Like he needs yeah. to this rise the get the people to rise up, you know. Yeah, this is this is going to be in essence 
the level of a Queen concert. Have you seen a Queen concert? <laughs> I didn't, but I saw the movie and it was fantastic. So using yeah. that bard energy, you will compel the crowd of millions to see your way and just persuade them to just do something totally new, like attack the enemy and just destroy everything for, you know, peace. I love it. I love it. I've listened to a Queen concert. Anyway, uh, Will, please do us the honors. Roll that D20. He's All doing right. a performance Let, check. Let's see if this is a people. Queen concert or whether <laughs> this is a uh, a madman on his own soapbox. <laughs> yeah. That's a 14. Hey. And that's base 14. So I think plus eight, that's a 20. As yes. we know, I think. Yes, it's real charismatic. I think he's going to Broadway. <laughs> yes, an unnatural 20, we call this. Absolutely. This this is great. The people are riled up. They've been preparing for this day. And his beautiful playing of his hand drum and his pan flute. <laughs> he's like uh, Dick Van Dyke and Mary Poppins. Oh, yes. <laughs> inspiring the people to overthrow the government. And sure, you know, there's some 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 buildings are destroyed. You know, maybe there are some casualties, but it's all in the name of justice. Mm-hmm. And and I think I think Roland's earned a level up from this week. I feel like it's it's past. It has been way past. Time. He's, he's level uh, two. He's now level. He's now level three. <laughs> so good job, Roland. You've come a long way. For Tessa, I'm already thrilled with the uh, enthusiasm and ingenuity <laughs> you're bringing to the show. Uh, but now it's time to talk about you know more mundane subjects, but mm-hmm. no less interesting. I think from different perspectives in the board game news roundup. News roundup. So, uh, this week in Capitalism Gone Awry, we have a story involving Hasbro and Wizards of the Coast, who we've been talking about a a lot lately because they had a whole turnover with new CEOs taking over and moving up in the world from various positions between those two, uh, you know, uh, Wizards of the Coast, of course, being a subsidiary of Hasbro. And now we're talking about some of the financial details of the company that could affect their creative output as well. Uh, a company called Alta Fox Capital Management. Uh, essentially, they are a group of investors, stock activists. I don't fully understand what these people do. Maybe we can get into that a little bit later. They have suggested strongly, slash, to me, it almost reads like a threat, that they believe it is in Hasbro's best interest to split Wizards of the Coast off into its own separate company, primarily because they think that as a result of doing so, the stock value of both Hasbro and Wizards of the Coast will rise and make a lot more money for the owners of those stocks. Uh, As a quote, they said, uh, we believe Wizards of the Coast would be worth more than $100 per share today as an independent business. We also anticipate it would be one of the most exciting and valuable specialty gaming businesses in the world, particularly if it were to refocus investment on core intellectual property and eliminate loss-driving speculative bets on non-core franchises. Uh, we could talk about what maybe some of that might mean. This also comes in the wake of Hasbro losing uh, their contracts to print Disney-related merchandise. Mattel has that now, apparently. So stockholders are, I think, looking for something to to lift their spirits on that front. I am not a financial expert. 
But I am curious for Tessa what you think about this, uh, both from the perspective of kind of the stockholder perspective and and why they might be saying this, and also whether or not you even think you think this could happen, will happen. Would Hasbro listen to these people, or is this just a pipe dream? I mean. To be very honest, I have no idea about this. And for the interest of my job, I will continue to have no idea about this. But I would love to hear your take on these (laughs) wonderful things. Yeah, I mean, join the club. I still don't. um, I still don't fully understand everything uh, that's involved in this. I guess, how about let me uh, first frame it and maybe a a slightly more. uh, generic, uh, broad-reaching way. If if Wizards of the Coast did split off, what sorts of changes might you imagine we could see in terms of the franchises they put out? Like right now, I think they mostly focus on Dungeons and Dragons and Magic, right? Or the big two. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like there is a, a world in which, uh, like, di- they might focus on different properties, or does it just make sense, kind of, that those would be the big conchos still? I mean, I'm not entirely up to date on their full portfolio more than Magic, but I feel like they have the potential to do anything that they absolutely want to. So um, that mm-hmm. one, I'm I'm going to I'm going to just put a wait and see on that one. Yeah, well, maybe you know a little bit more. Uh, are there, I mean, we I know Hasbro has a lot of properties. Is there mm-hmm. anything specifically Wizards of the Coast that? like they they would could dig into that that maybe i i must i just i don't fully understand this again this quote from alta fox who said they want them to stop making speculative bets on non-core franchises Mm -hmm. what are these non-core franchises like the transformers card game that didn't quite work out that's all i can think of that's the only thing i could think I've looked into this a bit more and you know as someone who's not only enjoys hasbro properties but also magic gathering and D. Like I've seen things that are great things. They made a lot of mistakes, but I'll just say it now to me, this feels like, <laughs> I don't know this popped in my head a while ago when I first heard it, like a shark telling me to get away from the river and join it in the water. Cause I should be afraid of the crocodile. <laughs> like, I like this, like an Aesop's fable. Yeah. Or something. <laughs> like, the, 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 the way they talk is they, they're, they're not talking about, what wizards could do to make the fan base better though. They're sort of using some words like activist in there to try to get us on their side, but really they're just saying that it can be worth more. Right. <laughs> and like I want, they have a site called free the wizard, which includes a custom, like they made a magic card look like about freeing wizards and stuff. Wait, this is like, they actually made a whole website dedicated yes, they to did. this cause. Yes. Yes, they did. <laughs> okay. I did not know uh, and there's a video and the video alone just maybe first of all, they, they have a board of directors and they have like one pro magic player as well as someone else is like, he plays board games, which I'm like, oh, yeah, there's scenes like that. But in the video, they literally say like Wizards of the Coast have D&D, Dungeons and Dragons and Magic the Gathering, both with maniac fan bases. And I'm like, oh, OK, I see how you see us now. <laughs> like not lo- even loyal, not even trying to hide it. It really is just. They think they could squeeze more money. And unfortunately, like if they said things like we're going to try to make sure, uh, you know, the D&D books, you know, wider variety of topics, maybe more inclusivity, Magic Gathering, 
make it so more reprints happen, try to get better cardstock. They have said nothing like that. Right. Yeah, it sounds clear to me that this is, like you said, it's purely financial. Yeah, if anything, I think the only thing I can imagine happening if this were to be split off, which Hasbro's not going to do it, is NFTs. That would be my guess. <laughs> and let's not get ahead of ourselves. We're, we'll talk about NFTs uh, I, in a the minute. The only reason I think they have done this is because we've talked about the new CEO. I think he's actually, like, we he was announced, but I think he's actually taking the seat this week or next. Mm-hmm. So this is them trying to change the guard. I mm-hmm. think that's really what this comes down to. Yeah, I mean, even the another quote from this letter is: "If corrective action is not taken in the near term, we fear there will be an irreversible impairment of value at Hasbro." Which sounds like a fancy way of saying, uh, "Like, hey, if you're not careful, uh, this place could set on fire or something if you don't have some protection." Like, it really sounds like blackmail or something. It's such a such an aggressive way to to phrase that. Uh, it, it does. It gives me some kind of shady vibes. I guess I do think Wizards of the Coast. I mean, those properties are big enough; like they could stand on on it, on their own. But like you said, why well, would Hasbro no, do that? No, like they even. I don't know where they said, it, but it was like some, in other articles I read. Like they said, like yeah, we would stop doing all their digital stuff and focus just on like the books and cards. I'm like, no, you should. There, if you want these properties to grow, they should make the TVs, the movies. Yes, there was that really bad D&D game released a while back, but I mm. think that doesn't mean video games are not the place. It means you need to make a good one. <laughs> yeah. And, we've, and, you know, they are, as we've said, they're in active development on movies and TV shows and all that stuff for some of these franchises. So, yeah, it's it's an interesting story. And obviously, I guess they have a big enough big enough clout to get noticed and have this be publicized. But I, once again, I, I do not know. I do not follow the stock market. I'm not sure if this means anything. This could just be someone crying for attention. And I, I, I think it sort of falls more into that. It's more PR move than anything. Maybe some of these people, they suggested make it on their board. I don't know. Yeah. Um, we'll, we'll have to wait and see, but it, like I said, it, it, it this is not the, the revolution one would hope for. <laughs> well, like both of you said, wait and see. I think that's that seems to be the name of the game these days with, with announcements like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether we'll be talking about this in a year or we will never, ever remember this happened again. <laughs> it amounts to nothing. <laughs> Uh, I don't know, but let's move on to a, another, a completely non-controversial subject that we can all uh, talk about with ease. Uh, alluded to before, NFTs and blockchain <laughs> as well. So not that long ago, maybe a month or so ago, Kickstarter, which of course has a lot of board game project on it, I don't need to tell anybody listening to this, announced that they are going to completely change their infrastructure to make it run on blockchain technology. And I still, once again, it's another thing I don't fully understand. I don't think anyone fully really understood the benefits of it other than, you know, maybe for uh, as a publicity thing. Uh, But now they have come out with a statement based on the negative reaction, uh, I think has been largely negative from everything that I've seen. And they've said that they are slowing this process down. Uh, To summarize it a little bit, they said, uh, quote, we will not move Kickstarter.com onto the new protocol unless it has been tested. They'll be establishing an advisory council made up of a diverse range of Kickstarter users and participants to inform their next steps. Uh, 
Um, and, and they also said that they are trying to limit their environmental impact. And they'll be looking at that because, of course, that's one of the biggest criticisms of NFTs and blockchain tech. Uh, and we can talk about Kickstarter and what that means exactly. Alongside this, the uh, RPG and publisher Chaosium also had plans to make NFTs with a company called Vive, or perhaps it's perhaps it's Vivi. I don't know. It's V E V E. Uh, they were going to put out NFTs. Uh, this was in the works for a few years. And they also, in response to backlash as of late, said they are halting those plans. They're not doing it at all. This is, of course, you know, some companies are doing NFTs in the board game world. Now some of them are uh, looking at what fans are saying and deciding not to go through with it. For Tessa, do you, what's what's your stance on on the NFTs and or, or and or what do you think about you know these companies just kind of uh, going back on on their word on the on this stuff? Do you, do you think it's true that they're trying to listen to the people and do the right thing, or is it maybe just a bunch of PR or something like that? <laughs> well, uh, no surprise to anyone. I don't have any stance on the NFTs, but. Um, <laughs> I will say I that I've been, uh, you know, what, looking at the articles. I saw uh, BGG posted a new uh, article with regards to the FAQ um, Kickstarter posted, um, kind of explaining their stance on how they were going to utilize NFTs. So um, it seems like the situation is constantly updating and um, they're trying to find a middle ground. Um, I'm not a- aware of anything with Chaosium. I haven't. I'm not familiar with that company, but um, as far as with Kickstarter, I know that that is still developing and I just will continue to watch it with my neutral eye. <laughs> yeah, it's it's one of those, you know, there's all these, every once in a while, there's some new type of tech um, that emerges and it seems like everybody wants to be a part of it in some way. What's in, What's weird to me about NFTs is not even regarding anything about my own personal stance on them, which to be honest is like ranges from negative to just neutral. Cause I just don't understand half of it um, <laughs> but to even potentially like, I, I actually think in some cases there are maybe some interesting uses for it, but what's weird to me about it is the only time I ever see them brought up on the internet is people saying they hate them. And like, clearly there must be people who like them because companies are still doing it and they must be making money somewhere. But I've never seen an announcement about NFTs from anyone where the (laughs) response was, yay, thank you. So so I'm like, where are those people? Where do do those people exist? Uh, I mean, Will or Fertessa, either one of you, is there a, like, is that just different corners of the internet, like a vocal minority that I'm seeing? I think that's what it is, because I was going to an escape room, um, uh, like, one of these past weekends, and on the way there, there was an NFT museum, had his Hmm. own building, and I was like, huh. (laughs) Where where is this located? Seattle. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Interesting. Was this like, like part of, was it like you pay for an escape room ticket and you get the NFT museum for free or? No, it was his own separate building. I just happened to walk past it and I was like, huh. Mm. Okay. Wow. They're moving fast. (laughs) I mean, 
you get to like look at an NFT framed on the wall and take it mm-hmm. home or something, I guess. I, I, that's that was the question. I was like, I thought the point was there was no physical presence, <laughs> but uh I don't know too much about it anyway, so yeah, I think sometimes there is maybe. Will, you're the resident NFT expert, so my uh, resident just being the guy who who's more strongly you know five percent more about it than I do. <laughs> <laughs> that makes you the expert. Uh, I mean, what do you, what do you think specifically about the Kickstarter response or chaosium to this? Yeah, I think it's it's just a response to the general um, uh, their general audience. Like you said, it's usually negative i feel i mean there, there obviously there's a i'm sure there's a subreddit with a plenty enough size population in favor of nfts for various reasons but mm-hmm. i don't know how much crossover that is is in in the board game world i know I, I, we didn't talk about it but there were some people who made nfts of magic card art i can't remember if it's a card just the art either way it wasn't with wizard's consent and wizard sued them makes sense <laughs> so like i don't know like if that was like the few board game nft like yeah we'll do something and it just backfired horribly right uh, like I, I have seen a lot of celebrities post that so it could be one of those things that was cool in the celebrity circle and like leaked its way out and mm-hmm. that's why it's harder to see you know more of a presence or the collector mm-hmm. circle or something like that Right, right. The 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 cool kids are doing it, <laughs> and I am not one of the cool kids. <laughs> uh, interestingly, I th- also I think about these announcements. Chaosium seems very pretty clear cut that they are not going to be going forward with it. Kickstarter's is very much like they continually say we are not going to do this until we figure it out, but never do they say like, we aren't going to do it. It seems pretty clear. It's going to happen. They're it's, just, it's, I feel it's more along the lines. Oftentimes the way companies phrase yeah. things is they always want to leave doors open. Right. I mean, the part, the part I take most issue with is we will not move onto the new protocol unless it has been tested. So that that your plan before was not to test it. <laughs> like, is that a new development? Uh, that's kind of worrisome to me. But I, I guess they're just trying to reassure people. Anyway, uh, you know, I still don't get it. But clearly, like NFTs are not going anywhere anytime soon, for better or worse. I know. Um, I've been seeing a lot of uh, controversy lately too with uh, Van Ryder Games, who does. A lot of games that we love, uh, Final Girl and uh, Detective City of Angels, and they are doing a whole NFT thing right now, and a lot of people aren't happy about it, but they have defended it, and they're like going with it gung-ho as opposed to some of these other companies that are stepping back a little bit. So I don't know. There's a, there's a lot to, to chew on there, and we'll see exactly what occurs with these companies. And again, if this Kickstarter re- overhaul like actually does anything or if anyone will notice it on the front end versus what's going on underneath anyway let's talk about some things that are actually just kind of fun and and kooky and weird and that's some new game announcements that i thought maybe were worth mentioning i'll run through them quickly and then we can talk about them a little bit uh first is a new two-player version of sobek which is from uh, bruno cathala and sebastian pochon that's probably how you say his name. Uh, and this is a specifically a two-player version of Sobek, which previously was two to four, but I don't think it was quite ideal at 
two players and, you know, designers of uh, Five Tribes, Jaipur, plenty of other big titles. This is kind of like a market collection game. Uh, we also got two announcements of uh, BBC series adaptations. First, there's another Doctor Who RPG from Cubicle 7 called Doctors and Daleks, uh, which is based on D&D 5e. Once again, bringing it back to D&D. Uh, we've also got Lucky Duck, who announced they're going to be making a series of games based on Sherlock, a BBC series which ended several years ago, but they now have the rights to make uh, games off that. And also on the digital front, the Gloomhaven digital game is getting a Jaws of the Lion DLC. So based specifically on the characters and scenarios from the Jaws of the Lion Gloomhaven set. For Tessa, any of these particularly interesting to you? Are you excited about any of these? I mean... All of them are new to me, uh, but the title Doctors and Daleks appeals to me, even though I'm not a huge Doctor Who fan. I know who Doctor Who is, so, um, <laughs> and I like Daleks, so that interests me. Yeah, that one is interesting because Cubicle 7 has another Doctor Who RPG that is, according to them, still ongoing. They're, they're going to be, uh, they have a second edition of it, and they said they're still supporting it. So I'm not sure if this new one is just going to be a spinoff for, for people who just like D&D's system better mm. um, or how much overlap there's going to be there. But that's that's sort of interesting. I am not a doctor. I know nothing about Doctor Who. <laughs> uh, so I, I, I don't I don't know anything about that one. Uh, Will, I know, I know you were a Sherlock fan, at least early on. I, I watched both of these series. Yeah. Many, many years ago. <laughs> um, I mean, Sherlock, I'm I'm just a general fan of the Sherlock Holmes. What would you call it? Style? Just following a smart detective? Yeah, know. the uh, the detective genre, I guess. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so, I mean, and I, I, I've mentioned before how I always enjoy games like that. So I'm like, all right, let's see how it is. The Doctor Who RPG, Doctor Who has, because it goes through timelines planets space it, it makes sense for an rpg right yeah yeah and uh the sherlock game i would have guessed would be like a, a what's it called what's their crime game called crimes connections case <laughs> connection Chron chronicles crime chronicles of crime chronicles of crime <laughs> oh. yes the sherlock game is called case connection their other uh mystery series is chronicles of crime oh. uh so I thought maybe it would be like a reskin. They didn't really, but it doesn't really look like it. That game uses an app heavily. And this, I can't tell exactly what's going on in the pictures. Maybe, they showed. I don't know. Maybe they, the audience of Sherlock, they're like, we don't think that they would like to use the app for this one or something. Yeah. And, and they did say they're going to have like multiple games, so they could all be totally different. Mm -hmm. um, I will. Just, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I will say Sobek. Two does seem like the type of gameplay that I like, um, possibly auctioning or bidding, which I'm always a fan of. Yeah, yeah, I have not played this one, uh, the original one either, but it looks intriguing. I was actually going to ask you, what are your thoughts in general about two-player like spinoffs of of games? Do you do you find that's usually helpful? Do you do you ever? Mm -hmm. Do you usually play with just one other person and feel like, man, I wish this game was better? <laughs> <laughs> I love the two players spinoffs um, because two player is a very interesting count to design for. And often, not always, but often a game that plays well at five will not play as well as two at two. And a game that plays well at two will not 
necessarily scale up as well um, because mm. the way that you get people to interact will be totally different and it could be a lot, the tension will be different. So if you're keeping like the same gameplay between the player counts and you're only like de- deducting like resources or something like that, it's hard to keep that same tension. Um, but for games that do kind of adapt uh, for that two player, then that's not a problem. Um, but when they create just two player, like Seven Wonders Duel, love that. Um, mm-hmm. So that's why I think it's totally worth it when they do that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel in particular single player and two player are ones that really need to be more crafted around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In, uh, in particular, oh, a single player is pretty obvious because there's only one person, but a lot of times in two player, I mean, we, we even talked about this just recently, or actually we'll talk about probably later, the games we played, mm-hmm. uh, um, that sometimes because you can just focus on the other person, yep. it's easier or it's easier to hurt them more mm-hmm. or it's because the game is balanced with everyone sort of being able to poke at each other. So if it doesn't just have really strict special rules, like this is how we designed it with these two people going head to head in mind, it can sort of just becomes a snowball kind of effect. Yeah. Yeah. From my understanding, balancing a game is very hard <laughs> and uh, <laughs> just the player count alone. It's like, you can have such a different experience. It, it's, it's a tough thing uh, from my perspective, you know, not having actually designed or published a game, but I, I feel like, you know, you want to get that like magic, two to four or two to five number is great on a box, but to actually make a game play well at all those counts. And also like what a kind of what a bummer if you make a game and it's it can play for two players, but it should really be three or more. And then someone plays it for the first time with two and comes away with a bad experience. It's like, how do you, how do you get that messaging across and mm-hmm. try to represent the game in the best light and everything like that? Uh, so yeah, and it's, but it's also cool that, you know, I guess they're, it's, it's sort of like them admitting that, yeah, the other one did not work <laughs> well for two <laughs> players. We screwed up. Um, the other one, by the way, the original Sobek, I don't know if this, this new one is being published by Pandasaurus who I maybe, I don't know if they have the rights. They must, that I assume to the original one, but it was originally published by, uh, Gameworks, I think. So, mm. um, and it was, a, looked like a much smaller box. This one looks like a bigger box, but that could just be the picture on the website. Uh, at any rate, you can pre-order Sobek two players right now. It's going to be coming out in May. Uh, the Doctor Who and Sherlock games are later this year, and there's no date yet for uh, Jaws's Lion DLC. But that's you can pre-order that too on Steam right now. All right, let's talk about more games that we can look forward to in the future with the Kickstarter Pickstarter segment. Oh, this one looks uh, nice. It's nice. It's nice. This one, Kickstarter Pickstarter. Each of us has looked through uh, the crowdfunding projects as of late, whether it be from Kickstarter or perhaps GameFound. Uh, for Tessa, is there something currently that you're backing yourself or that you're just interested in for one reason or another on a, on a crowdfunding platform? So um, I'm keeping my eye on Way Too Many Cats. That one just released today from Weird Giraffe Games, uh, designed by Carla Kopp. And uh, that one... It's just, it's cat season. It's dog season. I've been backing a lot of cat and dog games because I love them. Um, <laughs> you know, but, uh, like I said, my brain isn't, is 
exhausted. So when you first said that, literally, I'm like, oh, you have a lot of cats. And like, you, have to <laughs> like, you know, I've been busy. There's just so many cats around me right now. <laughs> exactly. Um, and I know uh, for Weird Giraffe, they usually like to bring some of the crunch to the game. So even though it is a cat game, um, it it is compared to the crunchiness of Calico also a spectacular cat game um so i'm i'm keeping my eye on that one and um me and my wallet have limited myself to just that because my other kickstarters that i backed um just a month or two ago are still you know rolling in (laughs) Uh, i'm curious what what are what are one or two of the other recent ones that have been (laughs) weighing you down (laughs) So I got Hair of the Dog, which, get this, you have to go bar to bar just to pet people's dogs. But you have to keep the bartender happy um, by also buying drinks occasionally. But you can't have too many drinks, otherwise you'll be too drunk to go to other bars to pet dogs. So... Yeah, we 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 yeah. uh friends of the show, Cherry Pick Games. They were they were they talked about Hair of the Dog on the podcast last oh, year. So, yeah, <laughs> we're we're totally on board with that. Right. Um, and then there's River and Stone, which Beth Sobel just made playing cards, beautiful art. Um, and then also Dog Park, shocker. Um board <laughs> game about walking dogs. So, you know. <laughs> I love that you're consistent. You have a, <laughs> you know what you like. I do know what I like. Just a dog or cat, I'm in. Yep. As, as someone who tends to do that with dinosaurs, I cannot <laughs> disagree with that strategy. Right? Heck and hounds. Also cute and cuddly. I've just had a whole yeah. one here. <laughs> do you have real life cats or dogs? I yes. have a dog who is very cat like, and <laughs> oh, that's the that's the best combo. You, a cat like dog or a dog like cat? That's yes. like hitting the lottery. Agree. <laughs> well, uh, you, you don't want like one of the large dogs to be a cat and just jump up on oh, the table. Lord. <laughs> Imagine a Saint Bernard trying to get like on top of a cabinet or something. That would be a dog tiger. That's what that. Be. <laughs> uh, but way too many cats. Yeah, I hadn't seen this one. I, I missed this one going up today. But uh, the art looks very fun and cute, mm-hmm. and uh, looks looks like a good time. And this one uh, goes for twenty nine dollars or just nine dollars for uh, print and play yep. uh, for people to try out. Uh, Will, how about you? Got a pick this week. My pick is going to be going to the ultimate edition of 51st State on GameFound. All right. This is the game that actually preceded, I think is the word, the correct word here, for uh, Imperial Settlers. It is the word. It's a similar style, but this is in a post-apocalyptic world. I've enjoyed this one just like I've enjoyed Imperial Settlers. And I'm generally a fan of the Mad Max Imperial uh, post-apocalyptic as well as Fallout. So this ultimate edition version is definitely something I think at least worth taking a look at. Yeah. You know, I'm a a big fan of Imperial settlers and I like 50, I like 51st state as well, but I don't have nearly as much experience with it. And it was sort of that thing of like, uh, you know, Imperial settlers came out and I got into it from the start. Whereas I feel like 51st state already was established. So it was more intimidating (laughs) to try to collect the sets and everything. Well, of course it's also, that thing of like, which one do like, do you need both? Do you need both? Sure. Yeah. Like for me, you're the one with Imperial Settlers. <laughs> <laughs> right. Another right. reason why I'm looking at this. <laughs> yeah. And, and it does come with everything. So it's a, a good way to get it along with some new stuff. 
And it looks like there is some exclusive stuff in here. Like uh, there's a couple of things that you won't be able to get once the retail version comes out later. Uh, so that is something to to keep in mind. But yeah, I, that's my, my my thing is like, oh, yeah, it looks good. But like you said, I probably don't need both for how often how hard it is to actually play any games <laughs> ever. Uh, but there is that. And this is this is a big one. It's 80 euros, which translates to something in American dollars. It's more than 80. I'll tell you that. <laughs> but I mean, like I said, this is the ultimate. It has everything. So it's also nice to just have it you know, everything in one place kind of deal. Yeah. I kind of uh, also with portal games, I remember I wanted to jump in on the Nuroshima hex. Like they had a big box collection, but I actually heard not that great things about it for some reason, if I recall. And I, then I think I just missed being able to buy it. So, Oh, well, uh, they have, they have a couple of those ones with a lot of expansions that are hard to find. So that's 51st state ultimate edition. That is on game found. And clearly portal is that they're, they have a good relationship with game found. Now they've done a few of their projects on there. Um, I will take it back to Kickstarter tough to pick one this week, but I think I got to go with a game that was talked about just a couple weeks ago by one of our guests, which is unsettled. And I had never heard of the game before. It somehow completely missed me and he was talking about it. And I said, Oh, this sounds great. And too bad. You can only buy it right now on eBay for $200. And it's, it's like they knew it's like they heard me and they (laughs) relaunched it on Kickstarter uh unsettled it's already got half a million dollars funded it's the original core game plus some new stuff and i mean i would recommend going back and listening to our episode with ben sobein from two weeks ago if you want to hear a description from someone who's actually played the game but it is a space exploration game cooperative you're exploring a planet with your friends and every single planet is a totally unique experience and you like open a box and it has new rules and new environmental factors and it's a survival game so you're not fighting against aliens or anything like that you are just trying to keep yourself alive and it's like it seems to me strictly or at least for the most part from what i've read non-combat oriented uh very heavily thematic but also of super another kind of a crunchier game i think looks really cool and from what i've read about it i feel like and and also their you know their whole kickstarter video is just them like showing off because it's just a reel of critics heaping praise upon the game and i'm like how did i miss this because it really sounds like it's right up my alley or maybe i didn't miss it and we just talk about so many games that i forgot (laughs) which is very possible Uh, i will say i'm usually pretty good at even remembering some of the weird ones because i know you're like how do you remember that but this was not one i remember us discussing that said i was actually going to say it after your whatever your pick was and be like yeah. We talked about though on an earlier show. So if you want to actually hear someone who played it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, worth, worth mentioning. Uh, for Tessa, do you have any experience with unsettled or, or any of these kinds of like uh, narrative thematic exploration types of games? I have not. It's very interesting to me that they're doing uh, multiple box or different planets per box. That's really cool. Yeah, our, our uh, friend Ben compared it to Time Stories a little bit, so mm. sort of in that vein, I think. Uh, but it looks pretty cool, and uh, that one is, you know, they have different pledge levels on this one because they have, of course, if you're just getting the new stuff or if you're going all in, but you're probably looking at spending around 100 bucks if you if you want to get all this stuff because uh, there is a lot, and it looks really cool. Um, I wasn't sure. I thought maybe also I would mention there's a new expansion for Tang Gardens, which I know we liked 
from uh, Thundergriff Games. Uh, and there's also a new expansion for Blinks, new Blinks games. Those are those little magnetic electronic hexes with different games that light up and connect with each other like magic that I think are pretty cool. Uh, either of those, Will, I know you have Tangard and you're thinking of backing the expansion. Uh, I don't know yet. I mean, partially just because it's like I could back that, but there's also 51st state in, in unsettled. <laughs> right. And uh, if I decide to do either of those, yeah, you're, my you're wallet back. is going to be crying. You got to draw the line somewhere. <laughs> You got to prioritize. I was, I did think it was funny watching. How much watching... does a kidney go for again? On the... <laughs> <laughs> it depends. Depends on the condition. I'll hook you up with a guy I know later. Um, watching the video for Tang Garden Seasons, they, they're like showing off all the things that are new in it. And I think they just name drop like every mechanic that exists. <laughs> they're like <laughs> worker placement, upgraded tokens, hand management, variable setup, tile placement, auction. It's like, whoa. Like... Dexterity? <laughs> <laughs> uh, they might have missed that one. They might have missed that one, but it looks like there's a lot in there. And they say it's the last expansion, which I guess were all the other ones part of the first Kickstarter. I don't think they had any other. Maybe I missed one. Anyway, you can find links to all of these uh, in our show notes to see if you want to back any of them. I'll also shout out uh, one more, which is uh, Deep Root Dwellers, which is a worker placement deck building game with cute little woodland critters in it that we did a full preview video for on our YouTube channel. If you want to check that out, um, was anything else uh, anybody was noticing on Kickstarter, or shall we move on? I think that's all the ones that grabbed my attention. Mm. There was one. It's not out yet i believe it's going to game found but i'm keeping my eye out for it it's raw from um i believe 20th Uh, century games yeah yeah now that that's one of those i feel like that's one of our uh like white whales of games that (laughs) are just so you know have such a presence in the board game community but we've never had the chance to play is that are you a big fan of the original oh i love it i i i've only gotten to play it two or three times but it's, I think, out of print, so I haven't been able to get my hands on it. However, anytime I get the chance to play it, I'll play it. Um, it's like this beautiful, simple bidding game. It's just a really elegant design, um, which I love. I get jazzed about elegant design and uh, bidding. And the way the auctioning system is just so very visible, but there's still so much tension. I love it any case if you get a chance you should try it but they're re-releasing it with a new skin so it looks great um from the previews they've shown and i am just waiting for my notification so i can get it (laughs) do you feel like are you at all worried that they might mess with the formula that you love or do you feel like there are some areas it could improve in from what I was looking at, it didn't look like they messed with it and more than anything. It seems like they maybe um, added art and probably made the components more convenient, but I don't think they messed with the game systems. I hope not, because I love the game systems. Um, so there wasn't anything I felt that could be improved upon. Like I said, it was an elegant design, um, but, you know, I... I will find out once I see, you know, gameplay, but yeah, I imagine it, it'll, it'll have a new coat of paint and maybe look a little bit more accessible to like more modern uh, mm-hmm. gamer sensibilities. Yeah. Also that game is a, 
I wonder if they ever thought about adding a subtitle to it because I feel like it's one of the ones that's very hard to search for. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. Where we'd always have to look for it. And I put in raw and just come out with like every game that starts with an RA. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean it fits in theme since it's all, he has a lot of Egyptian themed games, but yeah, definitely got to add in like designer name or something. Right. <laughs> yeah. They'll, they'll figure it out. It's, 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 I don't know if it's better or worse than some of the worst offenders, like the game. Oh, pretty hard, pretty hard to search for. <laughs> um, uh, recently, you know, it was a hard one is the, the deduction game quest. There's a million yep. games with the word quest in it. <laughs> yep. Anyway, just something to consider if you're out there naming board games anytime soon. All right. So those are our Kickstarter and crowdfunding discussions. Now let's talk about some games we've been playing that are already are out in Table Talk. I don't know my Table Talk. Table Talk. Table Talk. For Tessa, we will come to you again. I would love to know uh, what games have you been playing lately? Uh, maybe, maybe even games that you've been play testing, if you can talk about them or just things you've been playing with your own gaming group, whatever that, mm-hmm. whoever that may be made up of, uh, to, to give me the scoop. I want to hear it. Okay. Okay. So <laughs> number one on my list, cause I love it so much is Dune Imperium. Um, big fan right. of that game. It's mm-hmm. like the sweet spot of all the things I like, just a little bit of heart of the cards and uh, a little bit of chaos, but also worker placement and just a, just a smidge, just a smattering of player conflict. Um, and it's, I just love it. Um, another- I, well, are you a huge, uh, are you a Dune fan of the property in general, or is this just a one-off for you? I am. I actually coincidentally read or listened to the audiobook of Dune uh, maybe a couple of months before I played it. And then I also played the original Dune from the 70s, 80s. Um, yeah, 70s, I think. Yeah. And um, I enjoyed that as well. But Dune Imperium is that's that's my that's my love for 2021 and possibly 2022. It's still early. Um, and then I've also, well, I was play testing, a, a game called Goofy Movie. Oh, um, I'm so glad you brought this up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not allowed to reveal too much gameplay, but I just want to say it was, it's fun. It's fun. And I may be biased, but, um, I don't think people will be disappointed yeah we so we 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 talked about that this a little bit on the show last week because it was announced very recently Mm -hmm. and alongside some other uh disney disney games and yeah this was the one i was most excited for though as a as a big goofy movie fan i feel like it's i feel like i was saying it's it's kind of come back into the popular culture i think but Mm -hmm. for a long time it's sort of like the unsung champion of 90s disney movies yes yes it Uh, is. so i i I mean i you must i i wonder if you can speak maybe broadly about using a license working it into a game what what that's what that process is like i would say that it's actually kind of like a, a a game design challenge where you start the design challenge knowing what the theme is or um, what components you're limited to. Um, and um, when working with a property, at least working for Funko, you know, we have a budget that's set beforehand. We know what the property is. 
and um, we go from there. Uh, but we're very dedicated to weaving in um, gameplay which matches the theme. So um, that also informs a lot of design decisions when it comes to mechanics or layout of um, the boards or you know what kind of components we choose to use. So um, if you have ever participated in a game design challenge or a game jam, it's very much the same because each property has its own uh, kind of bugaboos that you want to be mindful of. And, um, you know, I, I can't discuss what those are, but just know that they are particular requirements um, that kind of embrace what that property is, as well as, you know, the internal requirements that the company might have um, to make sure it, it reflects the same quality of, you know, what they want in their games. Now, I'm, I'm just curious, and I think this is safe because it's general. Mm-hmm. When a property like this comes up and you're, is, are you, do they assign like designer or like, do you have it or did like, all right, we got good move and you're like, this is mine. No one touch it. <laughs> <laughs> it is a mix of both. Usually, thankfully, um, they, they want the people who are passionate about the property um, on that property. So, you know, there'll, there'll usually be opportunities of, Hey, these properties are looking for someone to work on them. And we'll be like, yes, that's me. No need to ask further, you know, but others, it might be, you know, everybody's busy or, you know, it might be, uh, you know, just a case that a lot of people are unfamiliar with it, in which case mm-hmm. they'll be like, well, try, you start working on it and, you know, see if you gel and, you know, the the cool thing about working at Funko in particular is everybody, we are all one big team. It's not like you never see our individual name on the game box. And that's because it kind of flows from one person to another. So uh, one person could start on it and it could pass between two, three different hands. Um, and, you know, we collectively work on it. So. Yeah, that's something that I've in the past I, I've has confused me because I'm always looking at a box like who who made this who made this game <laughs> uh, why don't they want me to know they're hiding it from me <laughs> no we are a giant collective and even if you don't have the title of designer like my title is technically game producer um, you could be designing um, and you know there's so many elements that goes into the actual making of it we have our own. Uh, workshop where we build these prototypes and and we just have this kind of internal machine of uh, creating these things and think tanks and it just it doesn't matter what your formal title is people are putting in work into the the designing and the thinking of and creating of these games so that's why it's not just one singular name or everyone's name because that would just be every name in the company so just so <laughs> you have to unfold it the box and then... it's like why is there a list of 70 names every time <laughs> it's a scroll you unfold <laughs> uh, i i love hearing the insight into this it sounds like a, a very interesting and hopefully fun place to work oh absolutely and especially getting the opportunity to work with i'm assuming a lot of licenses that you're a fan of that's yes. pretty cool mm-hmm. oh yes when i saw goofy movie that was the hey guys you stop right here 
You can stop right here. Power line. I to I. Yes. Yeah, I'm trying to refrain from just like bombarding you with asking if Goofy Movie inside references are included in the game. Does it come with Cheese Whiz? Yeah, right. <laughs> some Cheese Whiz. There, there's some Easter eggs. Okay, Bee Gees tape looking. in there. I'm not worried. I just terrified of actually opening this up with someone younger and like, what's Cheese Whiz? And just go, oh, God. <laughs> I think they still have Cheese Whiz. I don't think that's gone. Just well, know that fans made it and we we kept an eye out. We kept an eye out. <laughs> that is what I love and what I feel like we've seen a lot from in the Funko games that we've played. And let's I'll take this opportunity to, to segue because uh, one of the games that we are going to talk about and that we played at our last game night uh, is the Goonies Never Say Die. Did you have any any hand in this one? Uh, in the playtesting. I actually started working right whenever it was in um, development. So um, I was just a, a lovely playtester and got to give uh, maybe two, three plays. Mm-hmm. Um, well, good. So, so then you're on you're on almost you're on slightly more equal footing with us then with, with this one. <laughs> uh, but yeah, this one we we talked about a, a while ago. We've only played uh, the first two scenarios. We just did the second one, but we did switch off in the first game. I was the Goondocks master, and mm. this this time Will took on that role. And for anyone listening who doesn't know, of course, is based on the Goonies film. Although mm-hmm. it does go beyond that movie, and it's a one versus all game where the players are playing as the Goonies making their way through caves and discovering treasures and enemies along the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm curious, Will, from your perspective, what, how you felt it was different being the one behind the screen this time. Uh, usually like the one of the all games I think of, I think of more like, it's not, is it Imperial Assault to Star Wars? Yeah, Star, yeah, like yeah. that. And when I'm, when I remember playing that, I remember playing like I'm playing to win. But mm. some reason the Goonie one, I don't know, just the way the rulebook read and described, it, I felt like, yeah, I'm gonna win, but I'm gonna have fun like doing a story along with it, which turned out to be a lot more fun. Also, maybe because some of those roles were hilarious. But <laughs> yeah, we had some pretty bad luck <laughs> and oh some goodness. surprisingly good luck with different roles. <laughs> and it, I mean, this one also was like one. Of the, I don't think you can design for this. Maybe you can, but it was one. Of the, it literally came down to the wire. Like, yeah, I was I was going to win unless you guys finished the objective on your round. Yeah. Yeah. And it was a great feeling. And yes, the Goonies did survive. They they got through. Yes. They escaped. But it, it was still <laughs> so fun to watch the entire way. Like I had a blast for all of it. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. That's yeah. It definitely feels like the GM in this game is. I mean, it, it, of course, it depends on your play group. I'm sure someone could go mm-hmm. in there and be like, I'm here to destroy you guys. No, um, of course. But it seems more geared towards the uh, an attitude of just having fun and making it fun for the players, like a like a regular RPG in that sense. And there, yeah, it was really close. It was like it was in our first game. It felt like the Goonies had it a little easy, but this was like a perfect finish. It was very it was very dramatic. And, awesome. and yes, like pretty much. One person had somewhat bad rolls and then all of a sudden rolled amazingly. Then Jonathan, pretty much every dexterity test, the 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 gods of dice just decided, <laughs> I don't care how easy that test is. And it was amazing to watch. But like, even if you didn't, like if there weren't that weird string of bad luck, mm-hmm. I still think like it wouldn't have been like, 
I, I I didn't even get started on my objective. Like I still think it would have been relatively close, and mm-hmm. which I think was pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, I think it tends to even out uh, in the end. So yeah, I'm definitely, I'm very curious still to to play more of these and see, you know, the new stuff that goes beyond the movie. And I will say, I think it is unlike maybe some of the other ones. I think we could safely rotate if we wanted to the the GM. Yeah. The right. only thing that seems to carry over, I don't know if you remember this, but I, re- I read it, is like, if we lost, you can either replay it or go to the next one and then the... GM gets an extra card, I think. Mm, mm. And we just have to make note of that. But I think even if we kept the same person, we would have to be like, please, rene- we have to remember that they get a card. Yeah, right. <laughs> I've still got documents on my computer from Descent games that we haven't played in six years that <laughs> of like what cards you're supposed to have and stuff. I, I, I still have nightmares of the shadow dragons and I know. spiders closing doors. <laughs> I know. I know. It's we'll, we'll get you therapy for that <laughs> at some point. Uh, but yeah, Goonies never say die. It's a, uh, we are we are fans of these games. Not we have said it before. Not just saying it because you're on the show right now. <laughs> uh, but uh, for Tessa, is there any other anything else that you've been playing lately that you want to talk about? Yes. So I've been playing uh, my first legacy game, um, King's Dilemma, with a group Ooh. of friends. And we're actually going to play our very last uh, four sessions in like a week or two. Um, so, so jealous. <laughs> <laughs> we somehow managed to get through all the way. All of us were dedicated. Um, but that game is, despite how much you're putting out on the table, it, it's actually really simple when it comes down to the gameplay. Um, and I would say each session could go... Um, between 45 to 90 minutes depends on how long your king lives honestly um Mm -hmm. but it's cool because you're representing a house not a particular character um if you're thinking game of thrones so say i'm house lannister or stark why would i want to be lannister um (laughs) and you know i i want the king to come from my house because i made all the awesome decisions and uh if you made like the best decisions to kind of further your personal political goals, then that's how you make the king come from your house and you get points at the end. Um, but it's just really interesting. There's stuff I still haven't found out. Um, like what, what are these points? There's different types of points that you get. And, um, you know, it's, there's really a story that's being told. And, um, the, the crux of the game is just voting on these different policies. Like, hey, we found some buried books. Do you want your people to read and educate themselves? I already know them? how my group would vote on this. <laughs> burn them. They're witches. Well. <laughs> oh, God. Don't tell me. Were you the religious group, too? <laughs> Depended if, if it was on in my favor, you know? Uh, so there's times where, you know, everyone's just kind of going around like, of course we don't burn books. Intelligence, please. But the other ones of us are looking at our goals and saying, I mean, do we really need those books? <laughs> the yeah. kingdom says we don't. Um, so it's just really fun. And like the only thing you have as a player are uh, money, which is only to bribe other people. It has no other purpose than to bribe people and power and the power or influence is how you would vote. So you just have those two piles of chips 
and you spend the majority of the game bribing people to vote the way that you want, even though they don't know what you want. I usually choose chaos. Um, <laughs> and <Good choice. laughs> see how it shakes out at the end. But it's definitely dependent on the people that you play with. Um, because again, this is this is a game where you're just kind of bantering with the people beside you and um, you're kind of building a story together about this kingdom. But I couldn't really imagine playing it with strangers um, as I think probably a lot of campaigns or legacy games might be. But this one in particular, because it, it just really strongly depends on the verbal the storytelling, kind of that improv um, of hey, you know, not just taking it for face value. I think that's really important to bringing, bringing um, kind of the gameplay alive. And, you know, I love it, but I know it's also not for everyone. You know, I never thought about that. Maybe we just like uh, accidentally snuck in with the perfect group for it <laughs> in our group. Like, mm -hmm. unfortunately, like, uh, you know, every hit life happened and then all of a sudden we haven't been able to get together since. So yeah, we're living vicariously through you because, <laughs> you know, first we were halted by the pandemic, of course, mm -hmm. but now like one of the members of our group is not even uh, like she has all sorts of, uh, unfortunately for her, like mm -hmm. allergies and issues and regards oh, no. like, so she, so, you know, she's basically like, hasn't gone outside in like two years, oh. I think. <laughs> yeah. So it's, well, uh, you, you, you also know. forgot the, the major thing, you know, having a kid. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. That That's would be true. a big she's thing. A mom now. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, her husband still comes to game night <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and he was in our King's Dilemma game. So, yes. uh, you know, no, yeah. it works out. Well, it is if you get the right group who wants to like go with it, it becomes hilarious because like mm -hmm. your house, they give you like not a full, like there's like ways they want to score points and they give you sort of their vibe, mm -hmm. but not fully. So you sort of have to like just go with it. And sometimes, like in my case, I voted for something. Yep. And then the next card was talking about it and how my group hated it. I'm like, oh, I mean, this was a terrible <laughs> idea, everyone. <laughs> yeah. And, I, I find it funny when you said also 45 to 90, because I think we killed the king in like two turns. <laughs> it was, I remember just yeah. like, wait, he's, they're, they're dead? Yes. Yeah. We've had some quick like, games. What? But it's it's fun that because oh, it's yeah. not set on that one balance of it's always going to be this link that just depends on how uh, extreme your voting gets, um, which could be really fun. I, my favorite move would be Hey, can I pay you a coin to uh, vote? Doesn't matter what you vote. Sure, I'll take a coin. And after everyone has taken a coin and agreed to vote, I then opt out and take all the other coins in the middle. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just chaos. They don't know what I want. <laughs> That's a great way to play it. Yeah, I, I, it's. I'm very. I love hearing you talk about it, and especially that it sounds like it's holding up for you mm. into the later parts of the game. And I'd be very curious to find out what you think of the ending because i need like to I said, find those books we don't know yeah we don't know what's gonna happen i don't know what happens <laughs> i actually think that's probably one of the reasons why it's able to hold so well too it isn't like jonathan's five points ahead of me you don't know what those things mean exactly right. yeah it's a you it's know, a so smart you, you have to live in the moment so to speak right or at least just be happy about putting down a sticker yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah uh well now you, you guys are doing the uh the jurassic world yes. or legacy game is that something you've been involved with or, and do you as how as you know how do you feel about legacy games in general is that tough to design for i mean yeah that game is epic 
again, I came in as a play tester for that one. Um, okay. The the other I had other producers around me who were uh, involved with that 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 required a very heavy lift and a very special touch um, because there were just so many so many games. Legacy games are extremely difficult to design because they are numerous games in one. Um, and there's just so much content to read through. Um, but, uh, that one, I, I was, I was impressed not to be biased, but I don't have much experience with legacy games. Um, and I'm usually actually not a fan of co-op games. Um, but this one, I felt I was, uh, very engaged, um, throughout and, when it comes to designing legacy games, personally, I'm, I think that uh, it would need 100% of my focus if I were to um, try to take on a legacy game. And after seeing what went into it, like it takes a team. It takes a team um, to build something that huge. Um, as far as playing them, I, I've enjoyed the three that I've played, um, that being the Jurassic Park, um, King's Dilemma, and this one is not labeled as a legacy game, but to me, it embodies a legacy game, and that's Oath. Um, you know, I, I was, I thought about asking you about Oath when you brought up King's Dilemma, but I, I didn't want to uh, bring up <laughs> old wounds again, because we, we, we've been talking about it a lot on the show, but yeah, please, yeah, go on about I'd love to hear your experiences with that too. Yeah. I just got to play it um, with some friends and I was just kind of blown away because it managed to keep that legacy feel of affecting the next game, but it did not chain one person or one group to that game, like to a commit, a commitment of playing that game for X amount of campaigns. Instead, it, it focused itself on a singular campaign experience um, where you got to be a part of the story and form the next story. And then, you know, if you played the next game, then great, you got to see how that carried out. But if you didn't, that wouldn't affect anything. And a whole new group could experience this game from that setup. Um, I was just really fascinated uh, about it as a designer and as a player. Um, I was It was really fun because I, I went in thinking that it was going to be extremely hard because I remember when I learned Root, um, it took... It, it took quite a learning curve for me, but it was also um, kind of near the beginning of my introduction to modern games. But um, coming into Oath, instead of having five uh, asymmetrical roles, you just have two. Um, and so I thought that it was actually a lot easier to learn. I love Root, by the way, not saying that. Um, <laughs> but uh, I did find that I picked up oath more quickly than i anticipated granted i took on uh i think the more the more um simple role because uh, mm. of the two roles the the one takes a little bit more nuance than the other um but right. it's a beautiful game uh and just it really captures what i would want from a legacy game in that you're not destroying anything you're you're just creating yeah yeah i think that's that's a a great way of putting it and like you i'm also i find that a lot of elements of that game pretty fascinating and i'm glad that it's Mm -hmm. have have you uh, done multiple games or you've just been a a part of the one i've only i've only gotten to play the one i've been 
wanting to play the second, but uh, the the friend who owned it, he just got blessed with a new baby. Um, so he's been settling into that. And um, we're just- Children, the bane of board game groups. Yeah, yeah. But once he, he gets some more time, I'm, I'm getting him to bring it back out. He even keeps a journal. It comes with a journal where you can kind of write out the story of what happened in the game. So we could just refresh ourselves to what happened last. So that's yeah. cool. Yeah, I, w- I went and bought that journal after the fact and uh, <laughs> I haven't filled it out yet. But I'm like, I, I want to I want that experience. I think it's this game is wonderful. Great. Did you draw in it? I think I wrote like a very uh, bitter poem from the perspective of my character who got betrayed <laughs> and that got put in there. So um, it's just fun. That's awesome. Yeah, I love it. Very, very cool. Different kind of experience. Uh, anything else you've been playing besides all that? Or that um, yeah, well, so I have my dailies, I call them on BGA, which is, you know, Ooh. Seven Wonders Duel and uh, For Sale and Dice Forge. Um, and recently I've added Res Arcana to that mix and, um, I've been getting some games in with that, which is fun. Do you um, just go in with, uh, find random rooms online with people? Uh-huh. Yeah. Like sometimes I, I might set them up with, uh, friends, but more often than not, it's just random strangers because it, it's, it, you, there's still a part of having to coordinate with other people. Um, if they're people that, you know. And I usually find that those games could last for days and (laughs) (laughs) I'm a little bit impatient. So even with those games happening, I will uh, just start up games for the same game with strangers just so I can like get through my daily fix of, yes, I've lost (laughs) once again at Splendor and that's great. Okay. Um, So... That is the great thing about Board Game Arena. It's so fast. Mm-hmm. That, you know, a normal copy of Splendor, I, that if, even that being a pretty quick game, yeah. it's much harder to just be like, you know, you could play a round of Splendor in like 10 minutes probably on Board mm-hmm. Game Arena. Yep. It's it's so good. Even our, our game group actually might play within the recommended time. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. No setup whatsoever doesn't let you accidentally cheat or not do the rules. So that's great. And it even has a mobile app. So I play like on my lunch break um, or to wake myself up um, in lieu of coffee. So (laughs) that's awesome. (laughs) Any, what would be your dream game to be added to board game arena? That's not on there already. Dune Imperium. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Surprising no one. Great answers. Um, we had a game night this past week, uh, as alluded to before. A couple of games that we already talked about that Will had played, and I got to play them for the first time. But uh, we don't need to spend too much time on them. One of them is uh, the new version of Libertalia: Winds of Galecrest from Stonemaier Games. Mm-hmm. Uh, as we stated before, we were both new to Libertalia. For Tessa, had you played the original version of that game? No, I haven't. Okay, so this is a uh, it's a new edition, but this, the core rules are the same. Wherein everyone starts with the same set of cards, the exact same set of cards each round, mm-hmm. um, and you play them. And depending on which ones you choose to play, they all have numbers that determine in what order they go off, and they have their own unique abilities. And usually, those abilities are allowing you to, in some way, get doubloons your points essentially money that you want to earn or maybe hurt other players uh, maybe kill off some of their pirates 
chests so they can't get the the loots or the doubloons before you. And um, well, last time we mainly talked about Will had played the solo mode. Our full review of this is actually already up uh, on our YouTube channel, but we got to try multiple different player accounts. We did it at two players and we did a group of, was it a full group of six? I guess it was. Yeah, it was. Uh, so, and I definitely, I think we definitely came to the conclusion that the more the merrier on this one with maybe even six might even be for some people too much. I feel like four or five might be the sweet spot, but I thought with six, it was still, it still worked very well. and was a lot of fun. I mean, I don't know what it is. Four is always the sweet spot for so many games. <laughs> Unless it's like, it's even something like this, that like borders a little more on the party end. It's not, not that it's really a party game, but anytime you have it's to not like. not a party, but there's a lot of. Uh, reading people. Yes. And, and kind um, not really bluffing, but sort you can sort of do some of that in this game. Yeah, anything like that, you usually want a, a bigger group, but. Uh, yeah, you can see our review, but I, I really liked it a lot and I'm excited to see this new version of it. Uh, but again, that's not, that'll be for proper pre-order in like a week or so on Stonemeyer's mm -hmm. website mm -hmm. and then shipping soon after. And then Valiant Wars, another one that we'll have a review for, uh, later in the week. And this is a push your luck deck building game. So it's a deck building game, but at the, on each round, everybody flips cards from their decks simultaneously and you're trying to get swords and coins which are helpful to you the symbols on the cards but there's a dark omen symbol and if you get two of those from your deck then you're out uh it's like going bust in blackjack or whatever and you don't get anything for the round so you're pushing your luck seeing how far you can go before you think you might flip one of those bad cards that comes out and this was another one I uh, I pretty much concur with everything you said before I played it. It was really, really fun. It's a small, quick game that's easy to learn. Uh, there are a couple little hiccups um, with it. One thing, actually, that we didn't talk about in the review uh, was originally I assumed that everybody just flipped all their cards like at the same time and like didn't mm -hmm. need to pay attention to each other, but that's not the case. You really, you flip a card and then you got to look around at everybody and say, okay, who had a power that affects who and who's going to stop and who's going to keep going. And I mean, that is the nature of the game. I don't think it's really a flaw, but there was part of me, especially early on that kind of felt like it would be nice if maybe there was a version of this style of game, which I guess th there are, there are some of these kinds of pusher luck games that exist. Uh, like I think Quacks of Quedlinburg is like that, right? You don't really need to pay attention to what other people are doing in Quacks, do you? It's been a while since I played it. Uh, you you can, but I don't think there's nearly. Well, part of it is you, I don't think there are abilities that trigger that target other players. Yeah, not like yeah. there are things like if someone flips over a certain thing, but it isn't like in in Valiant Wars you could flip a card that says force someone to draw two more cards. Yeah. You really have to like take a second to look over everybody, which I think does slow the game down a little bit. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, it's what it is. And I, I still find it fun. Um, push your luck. It's good. Uh, all right. So that's Valiant Wars. Again, look for our review. The The last game that I want to talk about that I that I played in the past week is what I'm guessing is going to be big on Kickstarter in roughly a year or so. It's just a guess. I don't know this for a fact. It's pure speculation because I played just an early digital version of this game. It's called Machine Strike. And this is not a standalone board game, 
this is a board game that you can play within the world of the new video game Horizon Forbidden West. Uh, so Horizon Forbidden West, big PlayStation series, new entry, just released this past weekend. It's a big open world robot fighting uh, exploration game. And just like in The Witcher, they have Gwent and all this, all these other, there's other examples of that where there's a game that you can play within the game. You go to a tavern and you sit down and there's a card game. In the new Horizon game, there is a board game called Machine Strike. And it's a fully functional, fully featured board game where you sit down at a table with a fake person, an NPC, and you have little pieces that represent different kinds of machines. And they all have different stats and different abilities. And you move them around on a board, which is very simple. It's just made up of squares, but the squares have different terrain types. And some of those terrain types will give you more uh, better attack power, for example. And it's simply about uh, getting a certain number of victory points by killing the other player's machines. Generally, they're worth like between one and three points, depending on how strong they are. And you can also you, you choose your pieces before each match. And as you play the rest of the game, you might collect pieces you might find new machines that you can use it's kind of like playing a collectible trading card game only <laughs> you're like finding the cards on random you know corpses of people or, or <laughs> tre treasure chests out in the wild uh, that is a very weird booster pack yeah <laughs> not where you'd expect to find it uh i i'm curious for tessa do you have any experience with this franchise or, or thoughts in general about this kind of like video games that have a tabletop game in it i mean i've been a nintendo uh girl for a bit uh yeah. so i'm not familiar with this uh title but the the taking of a, a game from within a game inception is great to me I, there are often times where i'll look at a series like avatar and they were um playing mm. various games and i'm just like i'd love to play that game um yeah. so it, it if this is happening more, I am on to this trend because you, you're always kind of fascinated, um, or at least I always was, uh, when watching characters play it. And I kind of wondered about, like, how is, are there actual rules to this or what are you doing? Um, and so I'm I'm for exploring that. And if you can make it match, then great. Don't don't do what Yu-Gi-Oh did, um, though Yu-Gi-Oh is great <laughs> and I love it, but they were cheating. Um, if you watch the show, so um, I thought you were referring to more how before the <laughs> card game it was uh, much darker. Oh no, <laughs> it would be very much darker if they stuck to the manga. Uh, but I just meant if you watched the anime and you knew oh, the rules God. to the trading card game, you'd be like, "Hold up, Yugi's been cheating. He's been cheating. Those aren't the rules." I feel like it, it, it was the it was the rules if you ever were a kid who didn't know the rules to any kind of game. You gave him pack cards because they do. I remember they do things like. Your ocean card doesn't work anymore, for I have played the full moon card, right. which brings a tide. <laughs> you can't activate your trap card. You just put it down there from your hand. <laughs> your moth is weak now because I made it rain. <laughs> so, you know, maybe not that many liberties, um, but I am all for that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, yeah. Go ahead, Will. I, I mean, we talked about this subject before, I think, in one of our audio expansions. But I think before we used to – they might have thrown games in like your 4D chess from Star Trek. But especially with Gwent, 
I think being such a crazy craze, I think if we see a border card game in a game, I would not be surprised if the show or game developers are going to be like, let's actually make some basis rules in case we actually want to sell this. Mm-hmm. It, I think it's inevitable. I don't see how this doesn't end up being a real game at some point. And it's fairly like it, it's a functional, fun game. And I could definitely see some people playing this devoting hours to just playing machine strike and maybe not progressing as far in the story. Although you have like have to find new people to challenge them and defeat them on their special boards and everything. Um, and it would work perfectly fine in real life. I, I, you know, with the exception of a lot of the machines have like specific stats and stuff that the digital benefit is that that stuff is just on the screen and you don't have to reference a card or anything like that, but it would work pretty well. It's not a, a super complicated game. Uh, it, it is, it is fairly chess like, but with extra layers on top of it and you're just moving pieces and knocking them into the other pieces until their health gets lowered, but it's pretty fun. And it's, it is a really nice bit of world building, just like those other examples that we said, it's, it, it makes it really feel like, yeah, of course, if you were in this, you know, weird future world, they would, at some point they would want to play games like, you know, that, that would exist in real life. You think in the this in the world of Horizon or any post-apocalyptic world, they'd find something like a D and D book and be like, "Things like this existed once." <laughs> yeah, you know, one of my favorite parts of the video game. It's, it's kind of I don't know if it's one of my favorites because it's such a minor thing, but uh, the video game The Last of Us Part Two, uh, which is a big game that I really loved. But there's a part where you go into an abandoned, you know, post-apocalyptic apartment, and it's just got a table set up for D and <laughs> there's game screens and there's minis and books and it's like oh whoever lived here before the world ended was was really into D uh, or whatever <laughs> fake tabletop game it was uh yeah i stuff like that i think is a lot of fun so that's a uh, machine strike if you pay 60 to 70 dollars to play that <laughs> depending on what system you're on <laughs> yes. in addition to the rest of the game you could also play machine strike uh, i just really want to play cat is caught that, I'd be very happy. But which that. which one? Cat is gone. It's from Star Trek Voyager. Oh, um, I, have, I haven't seen Voyager. It's a game for children, so I feel like that's more attainable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, easier than the than the than the chess variant. Maybe. Yes. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of fun. There's a lot of good ones. We we had um they did what was the League of Legends one the. Uh, I remember the piece. I just yeah, I can't remember what it's called. It. Hammer strike or something. Well, I don't think maybe it's familiar. Tellstones. I think Tellstones. Yeah, I was very close with hammer strike. Uh, yeah, it's fun when they do stuff like that. Yeah, why? Why don't we have a pie show yet from Avatar? Doesn't that Ooh, yeah, right? seem like that sounds perfect? Yeah, so, yeah it's well, gotta happen. Maybe because Nickelodeon just doesn't seem to really care. About hey, they're starting a whole, they started a whole studio for new avatar cartoons last I heard. So uh, that's true. But yeah. you know, until SpongeBob plays pie show, I think. Oh, <laughs> oh no. <laughs> <laughs> the crossover we've all been waiting for. Uh, all right. Uh, so that's been a lot of fun. Good discussion for table talk. We've been playing a lot of interesting stuff. We are going to close the show out this week by playing a board game game. Uh, This week's board game game is less of a game and more of an activity or an exercise, I suppose. I'm I'm stretching the, the definition of the word game this week, which is fine. That's what we're all about. 
And uh, of course, it's in honor of everyone's favorite holiday, which happened this week, President's Day. I'm sure we all had our president's banquets and our <laughs> president's <laughs> parades. Uh, everybody has a good time on President's Day. And you know what one of the most famous presidential things is? Why Mount Rushmore, of course. Everyone's <laughs> saying in unison, listening to this in their cars. Uh, and so I thought, here's a fun little game that we can play. Uh, we The hypothetical here is if we're being put in charge of making a board game Mount Rushmore. So instead of four presidents, we have four slots to fill. And the, the first one I thought of was board game designers. Who would be those four iconic board game designers maybe that would go on Mount Rushmore? Uh, but maybe in addition to or instead of that, maybe what, what would be like a Mount Rushmore of just four games, which might be, I don't know which one is a more daunting task, but four games that would be the the Washington, the Lincoln, etc of a board game Mount Rushmore uh, for Tesla. Do you, any ideas, no pressure. If you need a minute to think we can, we can go to somebody else, but what, what, what would you, what would you think about who would you put, who or what would you put on a board game Mount Rushmore? Let, let me think on this. Yeah. Yeah. Take a minute and feel free. Google is at your disposal. <laughs> <laughs> We don't need to. We don't need to remember. Uh, it's a trivia names. game. No searching. <laughs> uh, I mean, I'll begin by saying, from from designer's point, it's hard not to. the The unfortunate thing is that the most of the names that come to mind are just you know German dudes. Uh, in terms of certainly, in terms of like how prolific some of these people are, I definitely think of like Reiner Knizia. Um, I, I Klaus Teuber maybe should be on there just for Catan alone. I'm wondering, do we know who invented games like like chess or uh, the ancient Egyptian game of Senate? <laughs> I, feel like I don't think those, those two we know the... Are those the lost to time? Of, I think, yeah, I think those are one of those we argue where it came from because it's sort of just... Yeah, perhaps. Well, I mean, like, and then you have to think of like things like Go and Shogi as well. Right, right. But if we were going more modern... I mean, two names that came to my head would be Elizabeth Hargrave and Eric Lang. Yeah, I, I definitely, I definitely want to get uh, Elizabeth Hargrave on there. I feel like that's. I, I am in it. my head picturing more of with the board game, like the actual board games, not the the people one. More like Hollywood sign, <laughs> like the, all, the Hollywood like, Walk of Fame. Well, no, I mean, oh, actually, oh. that would look pretty nice. <laughs> I'd love that, like a uh, sidewalk, but it's board games, like laminated and stuff. That actually sounds sounds much cooler than honestly the mountain. Yeah, let's like, you get go a, take a photo with your favorite game. Can we get a street maybe in Seattle or someplace where there's a good board game community? <laughs> uh, d- dedicate that to board game walk of fame. Oh yeah. Yeah, well, let's make that happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, get some signatures in there. That'd be pretty cool. Um, you can fit a lot more with less space. Let's see. Now, now for Tessa, you can't. I, I'm just going to say you're not allowed to add yourself to this Mount Rush. <sighs> Fine. Let me scratch <laughs> that off real quick. <laughs> uh, how about how about games? What do, do we? I mean, okay. would the games have to be like gateway games? Like, is it Catan and Pandemic up there? Stop taking my answers. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, take it away. Give me your answers. Okay. So if it was a people, I had Eric Lang, Rena Knizia, and uh, Elizabeth Hargrave, and then Lizzie Maggie. Um, Or Maggie. 
uh, because she originally made Monopoly. Ha. Oh, right. Of course. <laughs> I love that you call her Lizzie. That's a great one. And then if it was the actual games, Catan, number one, that just would sit right there. And then we'd have to have chess for the formal. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I would err towards, but how would you represent it? But go. I feel like go fits in there in the nice abstract way. Um, and my last one, this might be controversial. Oh, but can't, can't wait. To no surprise, it's Monopoly. <laughs> <laughs> now, is this is this a personal choice or is this a representative this, of the industry choice? This is a personal choice, but also representative of the industry. It's everywhere. I could have said Candyland, but I chose can, Monopoly. Can I say right. that the Monopoly one would be a perfect fit for the, the roadway idea? You literally have a little street for it, yes. you know, a little space. See? <laughs> Yeah, well, you're you're very brave for saying that. I know. <laughs> I'll stand by it. I admire, I admire it quite a bit. Uh, I feel like me, I don't know if this is getting too. This is the problem: is there's too much variety of genre and tabletop gaming. But I like a pack of cards. Maybe <laughs> should be on there or something. Right. Uh, and I, like al- my, I also thought my, of in terms of uh, for people like maybe Gary Gygax. Although I don't know. I feel like has he been canceled or, or I don't I can't keep up anymore. I was thinking uh, <laughs> Richard Garfield. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, Richard that's cool. But definitely it, one. It's definitely the game one in, in my head. Like I like the street because we can fit more. Because <laughs> with the presence, I feel the, the rules was, of the game. I know. Are if I were saying with four, <laughs> and th- I guess that means it's not selecting by genre. It's selecting what do you think would be the generally most popular. Like if you were to survey. If, if this was added to the U- United States Census, favorite <laughs> board game, mm-hmm. like right. I, I, I don't see how Monopoly, like for example, yeah, it's we said be it's on t- there. I think it actually has to be on. There. It's got. It, yeah. I think yeah. it's just one that people know. It's just. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, like and like I know there's picks I love. It's like but how everybody they... knows Taft. You know. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. He's not our favorite president, <laughs> but we remember him. <laughs> <laughs> uh but yeah no these these but, are all good picks and there's there's a lot of there's just so many good designers think, and also are you representing more like you know like it, it make it easier you could say like you said maybe if you're just trying to represent modern games you could even mm-hmm. remove a space from chess for example yeah but that's maybe going it, you to know easy. that's very hard too because i'm like i almost feel like am i gonna just cut off things that i know have like monopoly actually weirdly fits as something that's been long enough but it also is like it feels like it's part it has a copyright. Yeah, it's got a it's got a history you know, for sure. It, we we can name the designer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now uh, yeah. now we can finally. <laughs> but I, I think I also would wingspan. Mm-hmm. You know, I just think that one is just such a, a great modern appealing game. I think maybe maybe uh, the way to go God. is rather than games or designers, it's like a a pawn, <laughs> a meeple, <laughs> a uh, a train. <laughs> A D20. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I like a that. A, a table being flipped. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but I love these answers. I, any Anyone else that maybe or, or any other game we'd want to throw on there? I feel like we did a pretty good job with this prompt. 
I'm happy with it. I pretty, I feel pretty proud. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. I think you, you killed it. You nailed it. <laughs> uh, well, uh, anyone listening can go ahead and send us your thoughts. Give us your Mount Rushmore of games or designers or what have you. Uh, you can email us with the address meeplegallery at gmail.com. But for Tessa, you have earned a lot of experience points this week by helping us out and you get to spend them right now Woo-hoo. by letting listeners know how they can follow you online and and maybe some of the projects you've got coming up they can look forward to sure uh you can follow me online at Fertessa on twitter um and you can uh tune in for any any uh updates about goofy movie or any of my uh funko games projects um we usually don't get to talk about them until months and months after we worked on them. So it's super exciting when we can. Um, I also have a a third game that I worked on independently before I started working at Funko called Mansplaining. And that will be coming out for sale uh, sometime in the spring, Q2. Um, So please keep an eye out for that. very excited. It's a party game that I co-designed with Mondo Davis, another Atlanta designer. Well, I'm in Seattle now, but you know, still my heart, my heart's in <laughs> Seattle. Um, but I, I definitely uh, co-designed that with him. It's a fun party game that really you could play with your kids, you could play with adults, um, and uh, I think that a lot of people will uh, like it, whether they are introverts or extroverts. So please look out for it. That's a that's a good couple of demographics to hit for a party game. <laughs> um, that's that sounds great. We will put links in the show notes to all those places that you can follow and stay tuned for info on that. Uh, thank you for being on the show, for Tessa. It's been great. You're you're a you're a delight. You're you're fun. You're exuberant. And, thank you. Uh, it's great hearing you talk about all the different games and getting uh, getting some insight into how the behind the scenes works too. It's always fun. It was great always. fun to be on here. I'm very glad I got to know you and uh, I got to uh, help with the taking over of the city with the power <laughs> of music and <laughs> yeah. um, to just talk about board games. So. Yeah. yeah, always fun. Glad you enjoyed it. You leveled Roland up. I mean, that's a milestone. <laughs> you had a big part of that. Uh, listeners, if you want more Roll for Crit, you can find it at rollforcrit.com. Links to all our videos and our live streams and stuff like that. Uh, we've also got a Patreon, patreon.com slash rollforcrit with bonus podcasts every week in our discord channel you can rate and review us on itunes if you'd like or again you can email us questions comments of any kind uh, to meeplegallerygmail.com but that is it for the show uh thank you again for tessa for joining us my name is jonathan i'm will and this was roll for crit thank you bye